Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hundreds of thousands of Americans go missing every year. So maybe like me, you were a little confused when the entire internet seemed to dedicate itself last week to finding just one of them. We reached out to Vox culture writer Asia Romano to figure out what made the disappearance of Gabby Petito different. Why people so quickly became obsessed. Sean, I think there are a number of reasons, beginning with the viral social media aspect of the case. She was an aspiring influencer. She uh, hashtagged her quote-unquote van life on Instagram. She had this supposedly idyllic life where she was road tripping with her boyfriend, the man of her dreams. And from outside, it all looked very picture perfect. I think our plan for today is to just hang out here in the tent But then she abruptly went missing. And I think just that fact by itself was enough to really intrigue people. The search for 22-year-old Gabby Petito spans across the country. Bringing Gabby Petito home safely, that is her family's goal. Then as this case went viral, more people got involved and the Internet's role in solving it, I think, um, has raised many, many, many questions and and sparked lots of discussion about various aspects of true crime and various aspects of the role that quote-unquote web slews play in hampering or helping investigations. Let's go back to the beginning of this road trip. Gabby Petito is an inspiring influencer on Instagram. Does she have a big following? She did not have a very big following, but she was hoping to substantially increase her following over the summer when she and her boyfriend, Ryan, were going to go on this uh, road trip across the U.S. And she began posting content in July, documenting their trip. Um, They were going through all these national parks, visiting all these like sand dunes, like just having a really, really nice time, Um, at least... That's the impression that you might have gotten from her social media. Hello, hello, and good morning. It is really nice and sunny today. It's only 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, Except then, abruptly, at the end of August, she went missing. She was last spotted by eyewitnesses on August 24th, and around then was the last time Gabby's mother spoke on the phone to her. So, Gabby is driving this van that she owns, her boyfriend is with her, and he unexpectedly comes back from this road trip without Gabby. He drives the van all the way back to Florida, where his family lived, and then just refused to say anything about what happened to her or where she was. So 
Gabby's family, growing increasingly concerned, finally reported her missing on September 11th. Whatever you can do to make sure my daughter comes home, I'm asking for that help. There is nothing else that matters to me now. This girl right here, this is what matters. That is it. So from September 11th up until today, 11 days later, this case has basically grown out of nowhere, taken over the internet, and exploded. Okay, we now know about the domestic incident that happened on August 12th, and this- There is an interesting new TikTok theory about Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry. There are allegations that Brian appeared on Instagram Live accidentally for two to three seconds, and viewers saw water as if he were on a boat. Arrest I think to date, there's been like hundreds of millions of views of the Gabby Petito hashtag on TikTok. And there's also been massive searches conducted by the FBI and local law enforcement. Today, the FBI executing a search warrant at the home Brian Laundrie shared with his parents and his fiance, Gabby Petito. Two people went on a trip, one person returned. And that person that returned isn't providing us any information. So he was pretty rapidly named a person of interest in the case. Where does all this extra interest in the case lead? Uh, To Utah, because that was where she was last sighted on August 24th. And so keep that date in your mind, because on September 16th, the Moab City Police Department released uh, this body cam footage of police responding to a 911 call that happened on August 12th. Okay, turn off your engine. Go ahead and set your keys on the dash for me, all right? What's your guys' names? Gabby. I'm Brian. Gabby, Brian, okay. What's going on? How come you're crying? I'm just crying. We've just been fighting this morning. Some personal issues. And there's over an hour of footage. Yeah, I don't know. It's just some days I have really bad OCD. And okay. I just, I was just cleaning and straightening up the back of the van before, and I was apologizing to him and saying, I'm sorry that I'm so mean because sometimes I have OCD and sometimes I just get really frustrated. I'm not like mean. And once this body cam footage is released, then there are suddenly millions of more eyes on this case and millions of people talking about it and about how she was acting and how he was acting in this footage and how the cops responded, um, especially because now this footage isn't being looked at just as a domestic violence incident, which is how it was initially called in. Down there, I don't know, we'd have been fighting all morning, and, and he wouldn't let me in the car before. And Why I, wouldn't he let you in the car? Because <laughs> you have OCD? told me I need to calm down, yeah. <laughs> but I'm perfectly calm, I'm calm all the time. She's clearly upset in the footage. She spends most of the entire hour crying, just sobbing, while Brian tries to downplay the whole incident. So, tell me what's going on. The shoes get worked up sometimes, and I try and really distance myself from her, so like I, I lock the car and I walk away from her. Um, and we also see the cops coming in for a lot of criticism here because the police and the, the body cam footage, although they responded kind of sympathetically to Gabby, and they went out of their way to try and make them separate for the evening. But they also really acted as though Gabby was being histrionic. They sort of like bro-fisted Brian and like trying to bond with him over how, you know, sometimes women just have these breakdowns. Believe me, if I were to say that me and my wife haven't had our share of spouts, I'd be lying to you. Where does the body cam footage lead? 
well, it brought more tips, right? Because you have more people looking at the case and thinking about their own reflections. So I saw Brian Laundry parking his van August 26th at Sprite Creek. Hi, my name is Miranda Baker. And on August 29th, my boyfriend and I picked up Brian at Grand Teton National Park at 5.30 at night at Coulter Bay. I'm 100% certain that I did see him parking his van. And he was very kind of awkward and confused. And it was just him. There was no Gabby. And among them was one tip that probably proved crucial to to really narrowing the search for, for Gabby. When we pulled in, we've got double GoPros. So we have one that faces front and one that faces my husband while he's driving. And the GoPros just keep rolling. On September 19th, this couple who had been vacationing in the Grand Tetons on August 27th remembered that they had captured video footage of a van on the side of the road. And we passed by their van or a white van. And the white van had Florida plates. And we were excited. And this was kind of just a, a... an extraordinary chance. So many things had to align for this to happen because they went back and they found video footage of this van that was quickly identified as being Petito's. And I ran to the computer, pulled out my footage, scrolled through it, and lo and behold, Gabby's van was recorded in there by a complete accident. When they actually went to search there, um, that search apparently was successful because on September 19th, they authorities announced that they had found a body that they believed matched the description of Gabby Petito. And I believe the autopsy was yesterday, Tuesday. What did they conclude? The FBI confirmed on Tuesday that the human remains found in Wyoming were Gabby and that this was a homicide. And as far as we know, the last person who saw her alive was Brian Laundrie, and no one has any idea where he is. Correct. Police have brought in underwater divers to search for him in Florida swamps and other bodies of water around the region of his family's home. I believe that pretty strongly implies that the cops in Florida think that there's a possibility he took his own life. And so if that happens, um, Gabby's family will never know what happened to her. You know, you think... They only just found out after a month of searching that she died and that she died by homicide. So if he dies by suicide or if he vanishes and is never found, then her family will never have any justice for her and they'll never know what happened. Support today comes from Quince, which rhymes with since, but is spelt with a Q-U. The poet Josh O'Donohue once said, we're getting very classy here, when one flower blooms, spring awakens everywhere. Now, I don't know exactly if that's true, it tells me to tell you, but I do know that Quince offers timeless essentials that they say never go out of style no matter what the season. And honestly, that also kind of sounds like a poem, doesn't it? 
Not only that, Quinn says all of their items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Take it away, Claire White. The style feels great. It feels really timeless. It feels like a cut that I could wear over and over again and through a lot of different seasons. I love a plain sweater. You can upgrade your wardrobe this spring by going to quince.com slash explain for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash explained to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash explain. It rhymes with since. Support for the show comes from Shopify today. Shopify is, of course, the global commerce platform flexible enough to help your business sell at every stage of growth. You know that friend of yours who's like on that next level yoga, who's like doing backflips? That's like Shopify when it comes to helping your business sell at every stage of growth. No matter what you're making, Shopify can help you turn browsers into buyers and sell your products everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point of sale system. Shopify offers the flexibility to support your operation. And right now they're offering Shopify Magic, an AI-powered helper created to give you a little boost and help you stress less and sell more. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash explained. Go to shopify.com slash explained now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash explained. Asia, Gabrielle Petito isn't the only person who went missing this summer. She wasn't even the only person who went missing at Grand Teton Park this summer. She wasn't even the only person who went missing or was murdered in Moab, Utah in that week. There's a name for this phenomenon. I call it the missing white woman syndrome. (laughs) If there's a missing white woman, we're going to cover that every day. I think Gwen Ifill came up with this phrase, may she rest in peace. It's almost kind of self-explanatory, but if you think about the people that you tend to see on... TV, the people whose cases get all the attention, they're usually young, pretty white women who are upper middle class or or wealthy. You can think of people like Natalie Holloway. Welcome back. With me tonight live, Natalie's mom, Beth Holloway. We are taking your calls live. Lauren Spearer. College student from Scarsdale who went missing 10 years ago today. Lauren Spearer was 20 years old when she was last seen early on the morning of June 3rd, 2011. You know, you know their names because you know their stories because you have heard their stories in the media over and over again. Is this like a chicken or the egg situation? Like, do these stories get covered more because these are the stories that people want covered? Would people want the other stories covered or would they look away? I don't know who's to blame here. Do you? I think it's sort of a continuation of a phenomenon that we have seen throughout pop culture. The powers that be, the producers and the the people who are in charge of how media narratives get created, assume that the majority audience, white people, only want to hear stories about other white people. And this becomes the way that media is created and and consumed for decades until people really start pushing back against it. The, The good thing is that you have definitely had people pushing back against this idea within the last two decades. You've had an increasing number of people within the true crime community, um, from podcasters to investigators, who have gone out of their way to really focus on and bring attention to uh, 
cases of marginalized victims. Without knowing her birth date, adoptive name, or any basic information about Cleo, our investigation for our podcast has to start here, on the Little Pine First Nation in Saskatchewan, where Cleo's story begins. You've had increasing conversation around, for example, the victimization and denigration of sex workers and the role that that plays in how crimes against them are investigated. Um, And you have all of this conversation becoming more public um, and becoming more a part of the mainstream. It's interesting to hear you shout out like the greater true crime community as sort of a service to these, you know, coverage blind spots there have been for for decades, because it also feels like maybe there's a dark side to this true crime community. I mean, there's like a podcast that's extremely popular called My Favorite Murder. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Like, should we have favorite murders, Asia? I mean, this is a very, very... uh timely question that you're asking. You know, I think a lot of people have been asking this since the Serial Podcast first be- sort of jump-started the, the new modern true crime phenomenon in 2014. But we can go back even further. If you think about the way that true crime was really marketed in like the 80s, it was like these very pulpy um, books that were like semi-fictional and rule talking about Ted Bundy and like very salacious titles um, very lurid marketing. Um, and for a while, I think that that's all people thought true crime was. But there's been there's been a lot of deconstruction around that idea uh, over the last decade. And a lot, is, a lot of work has been done to really um, drill down into why people are drawn to these stories. And I think a lot of that has to do with not wanting to become a murderer or a murderee, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which are both very valid. <laughs> it's good to be reminded that This isn't necessarily a new phenomenon, though we currently exist in the sort of confluence of social media and murder and a fascination with true crime. The fascination with true crime predates this sort of confluence of social media and and murder sleuthing that we saw in sort of this unprecedented way in the case of Gabrielle Petito. It seems like the sleuthing itself has come under the magnifying glass here and people are examining whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, internet sleuthing can sometimes verge on what's called doxing, right? Where innocent people are having their addresses and personal information posted online because some crackpot sitting at home thinks that they solved some case, right? Absolutely. And in the very worst case scenarios, yes, this can backfire horribly. But we're talking about a community that has been around for a while. Like the the actual forum, WebSleuths, was formed in 1999. We want to make sure that when people come to WebSleuths.com to read, that when they read a discussion thread, that they will get information. They will get thoughtful uh, looks at the evidence. Um, And they have very strict rules about what you can and can't reveal. You're not going to get the drama and the rumors and the baloney that you will get in other places. The community has been really self-policing in a lot of ways. And it's really only when you have a lot of new people coming into the community that don't really have the rules in place for how to engage that you see things happening like what happened to a person who was wrongfully accused of being the Boston bomber, for example. We as a family received literally hundreds of phone calls 
um, and it was uh, it was very as well as watching our Facebook page that we've been helping uh, coordinate our search um, just get plastered with these baseless allegations. But that's exactly what's happening right now, right? There's there's going to be these viral murders, and there's always going to be people who sort of jump in to the more experienced web sleuthing and think they know something when, in fact, they're just people with, like, Fios or something. (laughs) Exactly. And you're talking about the Internet, right? You're always going to have a part of the Internet that is sort of untamable and uncontrollable. But does that make the entire Internet bad, like a net bad? Like, I mean, some people might argue yes. But I think in this case, like the outcome is very concrete. Like without the Internet, we would not have gotten the, the footage of Gabby's van on the side of the road. And this is not the only case that has been solved with the help of Internet detectives. You know, there have been several missing cases, missing persons cases, for example, that have been solved because trained forensic artists decided to join in the search and decided to go through the files of missing cases and make new sketches of these people to try and draw new attention to them and get new eyes on them using new intelligent or new new information, new science, et cetera. And in some cases, those have been successful and people have been identified because of that work. So I think it's, you know, you have a range, you have a range of good, bad and ugly, just as you do with every other thing that happens on the Internet. If this moment is indeed unprecedented, if there's an unprecedented amount of attention on this one particular aspiring Instagram influencers case, is there a chance that some of that attention might spill over and help solve the thousands of other missing person cases across this country, regardless of, you know, social status or or race? I mean, I think that's the goal. That's the ideal outcome of this, right? That people who fall down this rabbit hole will fall down others. And when they do that, the chances of those cases being solved will increase. Um, But I think we also have to keep in mind that there are all kinds of things that could go wrong, you know? So it's important to remember that these are real people. And, you know, they're not caricatures. These are real traumas that they've experienced. And they're, they're not there for your entertainment or your exploitation. So please sleuth responsibly. Asia Romano writes about culture over at Vox.com. Our episode today was produced by Hadi Mawagdi and Victoria Chamberlain. It's Today Explained.